Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the presence has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Nine Point Podcast. On behalf of my family, I'd like to welcome you to our Family Oriented Podcast. And what I mean by that is that we set out to promote a show that focuses on improving and empowering families. Uh, We tend to focus on this particular scripture. This is the inspiration for the show. And that scripture is Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. This is what Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23 says. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Thank you for joining us. And like I said, we are inspired by uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. We're inspired to use the scripture, that particular scripture, and apply it to uh, how we live our lives, how we lead, how we protect, how we preserve, how we accept one another in families. I believe very strongly that by being more consistent, more consistent and um, and dedicated to becoming more selfless and so that God can have his way with us, we can definitely improve the world. It's not always about how many people that you can get to pat you on the back. It's more so what you are willing to allow God to do. On the inside, when other people aren't around or when seldom or when uh, very select few people are around, how we treat one another, can we love each other the way that we want to be loved ourselves? And we believe that Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23 is a very good start of giving us a hint on how to do that. Today's show is going to have three segments. In the first segment, I'm going to talk about John the Baptist. I'm a, well, and I'm going to talk specifically about the end of his life. Um, so if you're familiar with the uh, story of John the Baptist um, and you have really, really, really small kids in the in the uh, in the room, you might want to take them out and, and listen to a different uh, different show or a different episode uh, than this one, because I'm going to talk read specifically from the scripture. You as adults, some of you know what happened to John the Baptist, others You'll find out uh, as I read Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. Um, Then in the second second segment, we're going to have Z time. 
with Generation Z, where our three teenagers will talk about why it's important to love one another, why it's important specifically to love family members, even if a family member has hurt you. And then the final segment will be really, really brief. And I would um, just encourage you to please hang in there and listen to the whole show. And I'll do my best to make sure that I don't keep you any longer than you have to be, longer than you have to be here. So Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 first, and then I'll read a little commentary so to just to put that in the context. Then I'll read verses 6 through 12. This is Matthew again, Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. Now to look commentary to put that in context, Herod Antipas had, or A-N-T-I-P-A-S, I'll just call it Antipas, Antipas, Herod Antipas, let's call him Herod Antipas or just Herod, okay? This man had divorced his original wife and married his half-brother's wife. Her name was Herodias. John the Baptist told this man, who was legally speaking, one of the most powerful men of his community, that what he was doing was wrong. Everyone at the time knew of John the Baptist. He was revered by most and feared by his enemies because of how beloved he was by the people. We can speculate about whether or not John the Baptist had ever spoken to Herod before this encounter. But regardless of whatever conclusion you might want to come to, what we can't dispute is the fact that these men knew of each other before this encounter. So when John the Baptist told Herod that what he had done was wrong, it was not a small matter. Okay, now I'm going to read verses six through 12. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who gave it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. The imprisonment and beheading of John the Baptist is documented in the gospel and chronicles how a person who loved his community was killed for trying to convince someone in power to do the right thing. He did not break any of God's laws, nor any of man's laws. The only thing that John the Baptist did was tell someone that he should not have married his half-brother's wife. John the Baptist challenged a prideful attitude 
that certain people wanted to hold on to because it suited them for the time. Now, no Christian I know has ever said that John the Baptist would have been able to go back home that night if he had just kept his mouth shut. In the safety of hindsight, most people would agree that Herod's decision to imprison John the Baptist and later behead him was horribly wrong. I hope that you don't take this the wrong way, but my fellow Christians, we don't always have the protections of hindsight before we can acknowledge that something grossly inappropriate is happening in real time. Okay? Now, that's that's what happened to John the Baptist. That's what happened at the end of his life. I just laid it laid out why he died. He, he challenged a prideful attitude, and it didn't matter. It did not matter how he said it. It didn't matter if he said it slowly. Um, there are things that we deal with every day, and we always say there's more than one way to look at it. Let's wait for all the facts to come in. And the fact here, right here, documented in the Bible, is it is possible for somebody to do nothing but the right thing and challenge a prideful attitude and lose their life. That's the point that I wanted to make from the text. Now, believe it or not, one of the main, another one of the main reasons that I wanted to reintroduce the passage about John the Baptist is the fact that this scene is 100% applicable to family dynamics as well. This message is to parents, mothers. I know that Mother's Day is Sunday, but this applies to you too. Sometimes our children will step to us with a boldness and testify that something that we have said is not matching something that we have done. Do I have to be more specific? In other words, when it comes to holding people in power accountable for their actions, children are some of the most observant and proficient creatures walking the earth. Children were pointing out behavioral inconsistencies of their parents way before private eyes were ever thought of. Please save your excuses and please take a moment to listen to what else I'm about to say. I'm going to put this in context. My wife and I are raising three strong-willed teenagers. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I know that children have a propensity to bring up something that they want you to answer right at the same time that they want to get out of doing something that you asked them to do. Children, yes, children have a propensity, almost like second nature, to throw misdirection into the mix when you as a parent and mentor are holding them accountable for a misdeed. Therefore, I am by no means trying to suggest that children have the right to bring up our mistakes as a tool to escape accountability for their own mistakes. Trust me. I'm not excusing escape behaviors of our children. So I hope that is that is not what you were hearing at the beginning. By contrast, what I am proclaiming is the fact that sometimes when our kids are not in trouble. In fact, some of the best times are when our kids are not, not even on our radar. And they'll just pop up and force us to deal with an inconvenient truth about ourselves. If you spend time with your kids, you know what I'm talking about. 
Your child may remind you of a promise or rule that you made, and then you turned around and broke it. Some of the most frequent examples that have come to my attention have dealt with the concepts of diet, eating or texting while driving, using profanity, wasting time that might make them late, hanging around bad company, pretending like you do not remember what you said so that you can escape culpability. I could go on and on, but you should know what I'm talking about. Truth be told, how many times have you responded like a baby Herod? Here are some of the greatest hits from my lifetime as both a child and as a father. When I'm, I'm speaking about bringing something up to my parents that they didn't want to hear at that moment, or my kids bringing something up to me that I didn't want to hear at the moment. These are some of the greatest hits. Go to your room. Get out of my face. Because I said so. That's none of your business. Don't make me get my belt. I don't have to answer to you. You answer to me. That's just the way I was raised. I've been like this since way before you were born. But at least you have a choice. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. That's what they say after they smack the snot out of you and then have to help you up off the ground. Don't you want your children to be great? Don't you want your significant other to achieve things with you that they have not achieved before? Don't you want to be the best version of yourself that God designed you to be? If the answer is yes, then you and I have to embrace the right attitude so that we can be taught. If we don't have the right attitude so that we can be taught, that makes it very, very difficult for us to consistently be able to be vessels to teach our kids to have the right mentality to be taught. Okay, that is all I'm saying. None of us are kings. Well, none of I'm not a king and I don't know if any kings are listening to this broadcast. But all of us have responsibilities. And there are times when all of us are tempted to say, I don't have time to do that. I don't feel like doing that right now. But maybe just maybe. The reason it's so hard for you to do is because it's that important for you to do it so that somebody else who's watching will be able to do it later on. You don't want to be the type of person to be to have somebody arrested and thrown in jail, destroy their uh, reputation or take their life. Nor do you want to be somebody that defends somebody that does that when all that person did was do the right thing and try to stand up as a man or as a woman and ask the same in return. You don't want to be one of those people. But as I said in the greatest hits, we all got a little bit of that in us. We all have a little bit of that in us. Don't be so high and mighty on yourself when you say, how can those people do this and try to justify that? Well, the same reasons that you made the excuses that I just listed. I, I'm put myself. I don't I mean, I think all of those except for picking, you know, uh, picking my kids up after knocking the snot out of them. I think all of those was me. I ain't never knocked none of my kids down, but I have been black myself. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. 
But I'm talking about stuff that I know. The reasons that we do those things are because it's harder to do what's right. If you don't want to enable bad behavior, if you don't want to reward bad behavior, then you must be exceptional in times that are exceptionally difficult. All right. So thank you for hanging in there for this 15 minute segment. And um, I'm about to step off for a moment, allow you to listen to verse two of lift every voice and sing. And then the next thing you hear will be Z time. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chasing rock, felt in the day when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died. We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Outweigh our gloomy past till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. Welcome back to the Nine Point Podcast and welcome specifically to Z Time. I am flanked by King Twin Newbie. And we thank you for being here. And I wanted to ask <clears throat> ask the kids a question that is something that we as adults grapple with. And sometimes we might come to a conclusion, but then go off and forget that we came to any kind of conclusion or any kind of rational explanation. So I wanted to open it up to Z time because a lot of times the older we get, the more we think that our cohort uh, was a little bit better than the ones that come after us, a little bit smarter, a little bit tougher, a little bit more genuine, a little bit more respectful. We forget that when we were kids, our parents and grandparents were saying the same thing about us. So I have a lot of respect for my children, even though I don't agree with them all the time. And with that backdrop, does anybody want to say how they're feeling today? I'm not sure. Let's just say um, a little bit below average. Okay. With that being said, here's the question. Why is it important to love a family member who may have hurt you? Why is it important to love a family member who may have hurt you? The Bible talks about loving your enemies. I'm talking to teenagers and before I think I can focus on how to treat an enemy I think it is more important for me to focus on self and how I can make things uh, right closer to home. So why my our kids, our children, why is it important to love a family member who may have hurt you? I'll start with you, King. 
Because if you don't forgive someone from your heart, from your mind, if you don't forgive somebody, then that grudge, it could develop into a grudge. It could make it harder and harder for you to to show your respect for that person. And it'll just damage you. It'll make you cold and bitter. So it's important to love someone and to forgive those who've hurt you. Especially your brother and sister. I like that, King, because um, the question was, um, why should you love somebody? You talked about loving and forgiving. Forgiving is important. Forgiveness is important. Um, Love is very important. And I liked the explanations you gave. You were saying, for example, that it could be it could be hurtful for you. It could be harmful for you if you don't love somebody. Is that what you did? You say that. If you don't forgive someone, well, if you don't love someone, then all that's going to be left is just hate because hate is the opposite of love. And if you're not willing to let if you're not willing to love someone, it can turn into a grudge, as I said before. And grudges aren't something that you should lean on at the slightest. Grudges are not to be leaned upon in the slightest grudges uh, uh, that every time I take the microphone back from you, you say something and I'm like, that was even better than the last one. Grudges are not stuff that you can lean on because they can't hold you up. They're brittle. They're unreliable. And grudges are not based on, they're not based on love. They're not based on truth. They're based on your perception of a truth that might not even be the whole story. And they can't be relied upon to to lift you uh, and promote the kingdom of God. So, King, I appreciate you for setting a high bar. Now your turn, twin. Why is it important to love someone in your family, even if they have hurt you? think probably because um if that person were to die or something you wouldn't be able to say anything because they're dead you can't say sorry or say i still love you and stuff like that all right king so king said something and twin is yours is more about self-preservation from what I'm hearing. Like you're saying that I need to do it. I need to love them so that I don't regret it when they're dead. Is that what you, is that what you're getting at? All right. You got to give me more than that. You can't just give me half, half energy. Um, You don't think that loving is important regardless of whether a person is alive or dead. It's important regardless of if they're dead or alive. You earned it. You earned it, twin. You earned what's coming later. Miss Newbie, why do you think 
that it is important to love people in your family, even if they have, even if they've hurt you some. Why do you think it's important to love your family? I personally think it's important to forgive a family member that hurt you because you don't know their original intentions of hurting you. They probably did it on accident, but if it didn't seem like that, it's not a good idea to assume that they did it on purpose. And if that's the case, it's best to forgive them for their actions. But if they were trying to hurt you intentionally, look into why they did it. And if it's over something petty, then don't force yourself to forgive them immediately. But if it's something more controversial and in-depth, it's best to ask them about it first before coming up with a final verdict on if you want to forgive them or not. I didn't exactly answer the question because, in my opinion, I think love has to be earned just like trust. But I did want to answer why you should forgive a family member who's hurting because you don't know what's happening to them. And if you're just harsh to them over them hurting you, then it might not really have good consequences later on. Okay, I wonder what would have happened. Thank you for that, newbie. I wonder what would have happened if I had just left it at why is it important to love somebody in your family? Because everybody. Well, actually. Twin didn't focus on um, didn't focus on forgiveness so much, but newbie and King, their half of your answers had to do with forgiveness. Do you think where does love for where does love for family members come from? Is that something that you just catch like some disease and you can't shake it? Is it something that you have to work on so that it doesn't go away? What is it? Where does that love for for one another come from? I think love I think love has two categories. The first the first category would be um, um well for number one, let me just say that love has many different connections. Like love for your family, well, a lot of a lot of people, both not both repentant sinners and unrepentant sinners, they have love for their family. And there's also godly love, love for God. And well. I believe that love, well, when it's, when it's godly love, I think that love that you have towards a family member would be even greater than if someone had love and they were like godless. All right, twins, one, both of you, what? Where does love come from? The love that you have for families. Is it something that you just catch like a disease and sometimes wish you didn't have it? Uh, Is it something that you're born with? Is it something that you can lose? Uh, Is it a good thing? Is it a uh, is it a bad thing? Where does this love that we have for each other, where does it come from and how do you feel about it? I feel like love grows with you with um, family members and stuff like that. Of course, if it's your parents and stuff, you kind of have to love them unless they abandoned you or something. But 
if they're taking care of you and they're raising you and they're putting a roof over your head and they're giving you food, they're giving you a bed and they're giving you luxuries like a phone, internet connection, the very least you can do is love them and show your appreciation. Newbie, what say you? What do you say about love? Where does it come from? Do you do you enjoy having love? Is it is it a burden? How do you how do you feel about love that you have for family? Oh, for like the feeling of love, it really depends on the person on if you enjoy it or not. If it's like with a family member and like a not kind of way, it's like no. But if it's like genuine like caring about them, I don't think it's a big problem. And I think that love is like a gradual feeling of trust, loyalty, and enjoying the company around the person. And trust and loyalty are the two most important things about love, in my personal opinion. Because without loyalty, like I said, you can't exactly take their word for if they're going to do something or not. And without trust, it's hard to really rely on them if you said, hey, I'm going to the grocery store, can you um, clean up the house while I'm gone? And it's hard to think that they would do that if you don't have trust for one another. So that's my answer. Okay. I'll just, I appreciate everybody's input. Um, I'll just add my little two cents. And if anybody has a comment or a question after my little, little two cents here, just raise your hand and I'll give you the microphone. Uh, I don't know how long ago I first said it, but I really believe that love is a perfect gift given to imperfect creatures. Love is a an element of God. It is an element of the essence of God. We have it because he gave it to us. We're able to uh, experience love for other people because they have love in them. If it wasn't for what God put in me and what God put in your mom, Y'all wouldn't be here because I didn't know your mother before. I had never seen your mother before. Uh, I set foot in male high school in the ninth grade in that math class. I had never seen her in my life, but there is nothing. There is no word to describe what we have for each other all these years, 33 years later, except for love. So it wasn't something that was just born in and and raised by the culture of the immediate home that I lived in is something that lives with you. It's something that grows with you. Like twin said, it's something that's in you and something that's with you. And it's important to respect the love that we have in our, in our bodies and in our minds and to feed it the right sorts of things so that we don't, uh, so that we don't humiliate ourselves and neglect the greatest thing that God has given us. So that's my little two cents. Anybody got a comment or question? So for those of you who are holding something against a family member or anyone else who've hurt you, love them. Love your family. Love your neighbors. Love, love your enemies. Love them. And more importantly, love the Lord your God, all God, our God, with our full hearts, minds, soul, 
strength, with all your being. Love is a very powerful thing in this universe. It's stronger than I thought it was. Thanks, King. Thank you, King. Appreciate all members of Z-Time and your feedback today. And I'm going to wrap this part up and come back with the third and final segment. Um, Stay tuned. Listen to my cousin sing this third verse and then come on back to us. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by Thy might led us into the light, Keep us forever in the path we break. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadow beneath thy hand, may we forever stand. True to our God, true to our native land. Hey, welcome back to the third and final segment of today's podcast. Thank you for uh, listening to the entire show. Um, As I said, we've been doing this every week, at least one show per week for about maybe the last year and a half. Um, We just it's just on our hearts. It's on our hearts to try to share with people so that you don't feel like what you're going through, nobody else has gone through, or that um, because something's difficult, it doesn't mean that it can't be done right. Um, And it's not like just because you might have an answer, it doesn't even mean that you can always uh, do what you need to. You know, having a plan is not the same thing as making as carrying that plan out. All sports plays, you know, all sports and sporting events can prove that right there for you. But uh, we do uh, promote Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, because we want families to enjoy the peace and enjoy the treasure that God has for us. So um, if you enjoy this, please come back again. Um, We've got lots of episodes already. Um, you can go back and uh, listen to some others, uh, share it, spread the word, share this information with other people, other families, other Christian families out there um, that, you know, just want to hear from somebody, hear from another family that's gone through some things and trying to make life better, trying to life be- make life better instead of just focusing on the problems and, and pointing fingers at other people. So thanks for joining us. And before I go, I want to ask you to please if you want to, if you want to help, if you want to help our cause, if you want to help our family, um, please consider purchasing uh, my most recent book called Lord's Shelter. Uh, it's available on Amazon.com. It's available at Barnes and Noble. It's available at Book Baby Bookshop. It's available on Kindle format. It's available in paperback. 
Um, it's a Christian fiction novel about a family that's going through a very difficult Christmas because an important family member passed away earlier that year. Um, it's a, uh, I wrote it in out of respect for a lot of people that I know struggle with certain situations and out of respect for a lot of people that I have loved who have passed away. Almost every character in this book is named after somebody that I loved a great deal who is now on the other side. Um, and I did it as a way to honor them um, and to remind and encourage the people that I love. There's nothing that I can say that's an antidote to replace, you know, that that feeling or that experience of losing somebody you love. So I just wanted to try to do something constructive, um, something purely fictional. Um, but I wanted to write something that could be supportive and that somebody might be able to relate to. Um, so again, it's called Lord's Shelter. Uh, my uh, my name is Timothy Hill, and it's available on several different outlets. Consider, you know, check it out when you can. And please remember, wealth is to be spent, but God's treasure is to be shared. Take care, and hopefully I'll talk to you again in a week.